Welcome to the Home Inspector Marketing Podcast. Because you're a home inspector looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line, you are in the right place. For additional training resources on how you can grow your home inspection business, go to microreturns.com right now. And now, here's the podcast. Hi, this is Mike Crow, and I run a home inspection business. In fact, I've run a couple of home inspection businesses. The true joy for me, though, has been helping literally thousands of home inspectors build really solid home inspection businesses as well. We can help a single man operation be able to do over $300,000 a year, maybe all the way up to $400,000 a year as a single inspector operation. Even better for me is the 80 plus companies that we have helped be able to build million dollar home inspection businesses. I would like to help you be able to do the same thing. Hey guys, this is Mike Crow here with Coach Blueprint. Well, I have to tell you, we got some tremendous response from the last podcast and um, uh, it's always exciting to know that people are listening and learning uh, and wanting to move forward with their business even more. Uh, I will tell you that this particular chapter, which is chapter nine in the book, uh, The E-Myth, or the book E-Myth Revisited, which the the book you'll probably go get, may very likely be one of the most important chapters in the business. It's what it, it has in it one of the most important things that I teach people. See, I teach people what I call focus time, function time, and freedom time. And, and by the way, fun kind of goes into the freedom time as far as I'm concerned. So there's a fourth uh, one there if you want it. The, the big thing, though, is that there are rules that you're putting into place in your business. On the last podcast, uh, one of the things that I talked about uh, was the fact that you wanted to have systems in place, and then you want to have people that can run those systems, and then you want to have the resources that can back up the people and the systems. So those are the three parts that I teach over and over and over again. Systems, people, resources. Uh, And you will probably hear that until you're sick of it or until I ask you and I hear you repeat it and then I'll go, okay, they got it, (laughs) all right? But it's kind of the same thing with the focus, function, and, and freedom time. You've got to know those parts. So chapter nine says working on your business, not in it, which is one of the reasons I created focus time. I want you to take two hours a week uh, most of the time when I'm helping people build their their uh, two-week calendar, their success two-week calendar, then one of the things we make sure they have on there is two hours for focus time. During that time, you're going to build what I call a stackable. A stackable is a system that you build. Maybe it's a person you hire. You're putting it into place so that once it's in place or that person's in place, it gives you more ability to go function and work on other things. So again, chapter nine says working on your business, not in it. Uh, And you've probably heard people say that, hey, you've got to work in your business. I got to work on your business, not in it. But maybe you didn't know exactly what that meant. So there's like, there's like five rules. This podcast may be a little bit longer because I'm going to go through all of these on this call because they are just so important. And I think it's going to shock you because here's what I found. I teach people what I call beware the 95%. And I was even having this great conversation with my dad the other day. And I'll give you a perfect example. And you need to know that everything you hear on the news, in the media, in the movies, most of what you hear is built for the 95%. And what it does is perpetuate certain thought processes that will make sure that people stay in the 95%. 
You have to be aware of the 95%, okay? And so what I'm trying to teach you is how to step into the 4%, which by the way, that's a desert that you've got to go across to prove that you belong in the 1%. And so these are some of the rules that you're going to hear. And and you may disagree with some of these rules, and I perfectly understand it. I'll give you one that I guarantee that you heard that is absolutely wrong. They tell people, hire slow and fire fast. It just isn't real. And I can tell you that because of so many things that I have gone through in my life. And you need to hire fast. And I used to say hire fast and fire slow. And when that was just me, now that I have more people, sometimes it's higher, higher fast and fire fast. Okay. Um, especially now that we're becoming more systematized and we can see things a little clearer. But this whole thought process about hiring slow so you get it right is just wrong, all right? In fact, I created what we call the decision trifecta. One of my people gave it that name, and maybe we'll get a better name for it at some point. But here's one of the biggest things that I've been teaching. You may have heard it in one of the previous podcasts uh, because it just hit me about a few weeks ago. And that is you want to make decisions faster then you want to start making better decisions. And then you want to make sure the decisions that are not right don't slow you down from making better decisions or making more decisions, okay? But that's the difference because the 95% would totally disagree with that. Oh, no, you need to think about that before you make that decision. So there's so much here. And this chapter is going to be one of those that's probably going to push that button. So here's one right up front. Your business is not your life. Your business is not your life. Your business and your life are totally separate things. Now, I will tell you that my business and my life are so intermingled that I don't want to separate them. And that's a perfectly normal thing for successful people, people that are in the 1%. And by the way, I want you to know, I slide into the 95%. All of us do from time to time. It's important to know that. So when it happens to you, you don't go, oh, I don't belong there. No, you just have to turn around and go back, okay? Or put systems and people in place to help pull you back into the 4%, the 1%. So they want to tell you your business is not your life. Business and your life are totally separate things. And one of the reasons they tell you this is because you want to build your business so you don't have to be there every single day. Now that I agree with, okay? So once you recognize that your life is not your business, but something your business must serve, your business should serve your life, you can begin to work on your business rather than in it. And so that's the reason they want you to separate the two, because you want to work on your business, not just in it. Working on your business rather than in your business will become the central theme of your daily activity. I'm going to say that again. Working on your business rather than in your business will become the central theme of your daily activity. I heard Steve Jobs once said, that if he spent less than 50% of his time on focus time, what I call focus time, then he was working too much in the business. And you want to make sure that you're working not only in the business, especially at the beginning, you have to, I did, all of us do, but at a certain point, you want to shift more and more time to working on the business, okay? And it becomes the prime catalyst for everything you do from this moment forward. It becomes the prime catalyst catalyst for everything you do from this moment forward. Now, pretend the business you own, all right, uh, or want to own is the prototype. Think about that. We talked about prototype on the last podcast, and you want to make sure that you, you are making it so 
that you're building a business that other businesses can be designed after. So when you're building the prototype, you know, for 5,000 or more types of businesses just like it, well, you're going to build it differently. Your business is going to serve as the model, not almost like it, but just like it. Perfect replicas, okay? And and you want to make sure, for instance, if you're making 5,000 cookies, you wouldn't want to make each one unique, okay? Now, yes, every cookie is unique. Every snowflake's unique. We get that. Isn't that cute and adorable, all right? But it isn't reality. I want 5,000 cookies. Man, I want 5,000 cookies, okay? If I want 5,000 businesses, I want 5,000 businesses. Are they all going to be unique? Of course they are but they should all resemble each other as much as possible. Kind of like what we talked about with the McDonald's in the last episode. So here are some of the rules. I'm going to read the rules to you, and then I'm going to go through each rule with you a little bit. These are the rules of the game. One, the model will be operated by people with the lowest possible level of skill. Boy, don't they argue about that one. We'll talk about that, okay? Number two, The model will stand out as a place of impeccable order. You know, I don't think we're organized nearly enough around here, but I have people come in all the time and they go, wow, you guys are like organized to the hilt, (laughs) okay? I'll take that compliment. And number three, all work in the model will be documented into operations manuals. We talked about that already some with three ring binders. We'll talk about it more here in just a bit. Number four, the model will provide a uniformly predictable service to the consumer. And number five, the model will utilize a uniform color, dress, and facilities code. So let's take a look at each one of these, all right? The model will be operated by people with the lowest possible level of skill. Now, this is the reason McDonald's succeeds way far and above and beyond everybody else. See, everybody wants to say, you know, I want to make sure that I hire the best people that I can. I'm going to tell you, you want to hire the right people with the right attitude, the right uh, the, the right gusto, and then you want to help them become the right people. So how can I give my customers the results they want systematically rather than personally? See, if I wanted to make sure my clients had absolutely the best service each and every time, I'd be doing it myself because nobody can do it better than me. Isn't that what we tell ourselves? It's a lie. Okay, and by the way, you're going to find out that sometimes people can do things better than you, okay? All right, so how can I create a business whose results are systems dependent rather than people dependent? You want to make sure that no matter who you have in there, that it's a system and they know how to operate the system. That's not to say that people are unimportant. Gosh, I get this all the time. Well, Mike, you're just trying to turn people into machines. No, I'm not. If machines could do it, machines would do it. And who knows, some jobs, machines are taking over because they are so mundane. But when you're talking about a service business, especially when you're talking about dealing with other people, wouldn't we all rather deal with people? It doesn't make people unimportant. In fact, it almost makes people more important, all right? And so quite to the contrary, people bring your systems to life. And without people, your systems are are just books on the shelves, okay? So great businesses are not built by extraordinary people, but by ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So here's one of the secrets that I teach. When you train somebody, and in the beginning at least, the best you can hope to do is get them up to 70, hopefully 80% of who you are and what you do. And then your systems 
at additional 30% compared to your competitors, which basically makes you 110% compared to your competitors. And it's that difference that propels you into being the most successful company in the area. And by the way, if you can make that so your systems make it 50, 60, 100, 200% compared to your competitors, it's even better. In fact, I, I want to tell you a secret. I tell people all the time, one, I'm a misfit. I get it. I understand it. I've been a misfit my entire life. And I build million-dollar companies with misfits. You know why? Because every ordinary person thinks they're a misfit. Yes, there's those superstars that know they're great, and they're willing to do whatever it is all the time, always, every day, every night. It's kind of disgusting, really, to think about it. But all the time, every day, every night, to be the best they can possibly be. But it's all dependent upon them at that point, okay? What I'm looking for is people, regular people, that have meaning in their lives, but they are looking to be part of something extraordinary. And they're willing to follow the systems to help get there. So if ordinary people do extraordinary things like the system, it's a way of doing things. It's needed. What happens is that is needed to compensate for the disparity between the skills of your people and the skills needed to produce the final result, the final desired result. So let me say this again, okay? You need ordinary people to do extraordinary things, which is your system. It's a way of doing things that's needed to compensate for the disparity between the skills of your people and the skills needed to produce an, an extraordinary result, all right? So it's, it's your job to develop that tool and to teach your people how to use it. It's your job to develop that tool, that system, and teach your people how to use it. It's their job to use that tool or system that you've developed and to recommend improvements based on their experience with it. So I'm open all the time. People say, well, why do we do it this way? And I explain to them why we're doing it this way if they if they need to know. And then they go, well, if we did it this way, wouldn't, wouldn't that be better? And I, I look at it, and if it is, boy, I go, wow, that's great. And we change the system. I'm open to that. Here's something else I want to make sure that I, I get across to you. The typical owner of a small business prefers highly skilled people. We talked about this because he believes this will make his job easier. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is really important. Listen carefully. This is management by abdication rather than delegation. You can hire somebody that's so good, you're not needed anymore. But as soon as you do, what happens is you turn everything over to that person. They're not running a system. Uh, they build their own systems maybe, but that's all abdication. You're basically walking away and leaving them to do it on their own. Delegation means you're creating the systems so that they can do what they need to get done. All right, to build a business that works. That's our goal, to build a business that works. You will be forced to do the work of business development, not as a replacement for people development, but as a necessary a combination of systems and people. All right, so rule number two was the model will stand out as a place of impeccable order, all right? So here's what you may or may not realize. People actually, people, most people, crave order. Most people crave order. They want order. They want to know that there is, an, there is a nice, neat order to everything. And, and you'd be surprised how many people, you know, act very chaotic, uh, out there. 
And as soon as they're in something that has order to it, they feel more comfortable. It's your job to help them have that comfort level. All right. And so as someone said in his book, uh, Alvin uh, Toffler, I think it is here, the third wave, most people surviving the world around them only see chaos. They only see chaos. And so when they step into your world and it's systematized, it makes them want to stay there. Structure provides the relatively fixed points of reference we need. If you think about driving somewhere, uh, some of the systems are the exits, the entrances, the signs, how fast you can go. Uh, And so you have to understand structure provides the relatively fixed points of reference that we need. Okay, A business that looks orderly says to your customer that your people know what they're doing. Say that again. A business that looks orderly says to your customer that your people know what they're doing. A business that looks orderly says to your people that you know what you're doing. A business that looks orderly says that while the world may not work, some things can. A business that looks orderly says to your customer that he can trust in the result delivered and assures your people that they can trust in their future with you. A business that looks orderly says that the structure is in place. I cannot tell you how important that structure is. If you don't have that structure, you have a bunch of people running around, you know, trying to figure out what to do next. When you have the structure in place, you have a bunch of people going from A to B to C to D, making sure that everything is flowing in the right direction. It's it's kind of a beautiful thing to see, okay? So number three, All work in the model will be documented into operations manuals. You know, I I have this gentleman that is a partner in one of our companies, and he asked me, he said, Mike, when do you build the systems? When do you start documenting the systems? And and look, it's perfectly normal to want to document the systems uh, yourself. And if you can do that, then that's great. I'm going to tell you the first time you hire a person to operate kind of one of the systems that you've done, That's when I start documenting it. I set that person in the seat next to me. I hand them a three-ring binder full of white paper uh, and and blank white paper, and I just start brain dumping into them. Nowadays, a lot of times when I'm sitting with management, I have my own three-ring binder, and we're starting another new company right now, and I, I just start asking questions and go, okay, we need this, we need this, we need this. You know, what's the marketing going to be for this company? Who are the type of people we need for this company? How much are we going to pay these type of people? Um, you know, uh, what what how's the paperwork going to flow? How do we get reimbursed uh, for this or this? And so I start documenting it, but documentation is the core secret to making sure that you have real systems. I think I mentioned this recently at one of our Big Bang Marketing boot camps. Uh, And my son, who uh, was an Eagle Scout um, and did a great job. In the Eagle Scout project, you build a three-ring binder. You build a three-ring binder. And the essence, the purpose of that three-ring binder is that at some point, somebody else could take the three-ring binder and finish the project without you if necessary. And and my son did exactly that, okay? Uh, we built this gazebo, um, and, and I say we, there were probably 30 or 40 people there. Uh, we built this gazebo uh, for a, uh, a children's home that was sitting next to the lake so people would have this ability to go sit at the gazebo and, and pray or, 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 or 
meditate or whatever you want and just sit there and be peaceful for a little while because the world can be hectic and it's nice to have a peaceful place to go. My son basically went through all the parts of that uh, building that binder. And, you know, it was all the parts that we need. It's all the people that we need, all the cost factor, all of the uh, this and that. How will we build it? When will we build it? Uh, what will be built first versus the other parts of that? Uh, and so it's a, it was an incredible thing. Documentation is an affirmation of the order that we talked about in number two. Documentation is a way of saying, yes, we have we have a system. We have order here, okay? And that operations manual uh, is the is the place where you put all that documentation. Therefore, kind of best described as a company's how-to-do-it guide. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, I want to do all this digitally. Well, that's fine. Do it all digitally at first, but then print it off and put it into a three-ring binder and put it on a shelf, all right? And they go, oh, well, it all needs to be just digital. No. It does not ever need to be just digital, okay? Being digital is fine, but there's something for people knowing there's a notebook on the shelf with A to B to C to D for one to two to three to four, so they know it's there. They can see it and touch it, okay? And there's no reason why you can't duplicate it digitally. So it designates the purpose of your work, it specifies the steps needed to be taken while doing that work, and it summarizes the standards associated with both the process and the result. All right, so I'm going to go through that a little slower. This manual, this operations manual, this systems manual is the, is the place where it's kind of the company's how-to-do-it guide. It, it basically designates the purpose of the work. So what's the purpose of the work? And then it basically takes you step by step by step about how to do the work. And then there's a summary of the standards associated with both the process and the result. I have these notebooks in every company, uh, and are they being updated? Every day. Am I creating more of them? Every day. Do I have people creating them? Every day. But they're there. And we get to refer back to them over and over and over again. So this model will become a uniformly predictable service to the consumer. It's kind of fun. We have this thing we call the CSA. It's Christus, uh, who is my oldest, uh, and she helped build a system to let our mavens know who we are and what we do. So she built the system where we send out a priority mail piece to the people. And it's a it's a system because when we send it to them, boy, our consumer, our mavens, people that can refer business to us over and over again, they see that we are doing things in a very predictable uh, fashion, which gives people a predictable result. And once they see that, they don't ever want to go work with somebody that's winging it again. He has a bad day. Everybody has a bad day. We have a bad day. We have systems to fix that. We have systems. We have boundaries. We have bumpers to basically make sure that we stay inside of certain results that we want to have. So the model will provide a uniformly predictive, predictable service to the, the consumer. While the business must look orderly, it is not sufficient. All right. The business must also act orderly. It must do things in a predictable, uniform way. 
It must do things in a predictable, uniform way. You may have heard me in one of the the past uh, talks where I said, um, you know, we have a 17-point, now an 18-point introduction that every single one of our inspectors does on every single home inspection. Uh, And again, it doesn't have to be memorized, but there are key phrases uh, that we want to make sure that they repeat exactly right. Need to ask, for instance, those three words, we want to hear those three words at some point uh, during the process. We need to ask, not I have to ask, okay, or anything like that. I need to ask you to read through this and sign here, sign here, and initial here type thing, okay? So if there's no absolute consistency to the experience, you are going to have chaos and people are going to feel it and you're going to make you a lot less referable. The expectations created at the very first meeting need to be the expectations that they see over and over and over again. So he talks about it here uh, where he went to someone and the first time uh, he talks about a barber here and the first time he went, hey, he got a back massage and he got this and he got this and he thought, wow, this is great. And then he went again and they didn't wash his hair the second time. They didn't even ask if he wanted his hair washed, okay? Uh, and then he went again, and they didn't, not only did they not wash his hair, they, they didn't do uh, uh, something else where they didn't uh, do the back massage. And so at, at a certain point, he goes, wow, that was weird. And it's totally unreferable, totally unreferable. You've got to make sure that people see that they're going to get the same experience every single time. And if they don't, if there's no consistency, then you're unreferable. The expectations created at the first meeting were violated at every meeting after that. And he says here, I wasn't sure what to expect. And something in me wanted to be sure. I wanted an experience I could repeat by making the choice to return. So it's very important to make sure that the consumer and or your clients and customers and mavens all know that the experience is going to be almost identical each and every time. You know, one of the things I talk with people is we have like this top 10 things that I I try to teach them. And one of those things is so simple. And a lot of times people go, oh, I don't want to do that. This isn't about you. This is about your success, okay? This is about your kids that you want to make sure you get fed. This is about making sure that people want to refer you. This is not about you. So I get that maybe you don't want to do it. Okay, that's like saying, I don't want to be successful. You just need to know that every time you say, I don't want to do that. Maybe you don't want to have a routine for an inspection. Maybe you don't want to wear uniforms. Maybe you don't want to letter up your vehicle. Maybe you don't want to do the same report every time. Maybe you don't want to write everything up the same way every single time. I get that. That's okay. You can make that choice. But when you are not predictable, you are unreferable. If you're not predictable, you're not referable. And that's important. And here's the other thing is, when you go to to want to build a bigger business, You need to make sure that you've got those systems in place. So one of the big things I talk about is uniforms. All of our inspectors wear exactly the same color shirt, the exact same color pants, and the exact same color shoes, the exact same color of belt, okay? Because the next guy that comes in, as soon as we dress him like that, people start feeling comfortable because they know they're going to have, they have a better chance at having a predictable experience. And number five actually kind of talks about that even more. The number five, the model will utilize a uniform color, dress, and facilities code. 
<laughs> Think about that, all right? Different consumer groups simply respond different to specific colors and shapes. So I will teach you at some point why people like blue better, why they like red better, why they like green better. Um, it's it's not necessarily the most important thing you need to learn. The, the most important thing is the consistency each and every time. But I will tell you for inspectors, there's a reason all of my guys wear this color blue every single inspection. And by the way, not this shirt. Uh, we have a very specific shirt that's for that. And there's a great book out there that you can talk about and read on colors, uh, and it's why people buy. Feel free to go get that. Go study it more. Uh, blue is one of the most trusting uh, and most relaxing colors that you can use if you use the right color of blue, and it's one of the reasons we do that. All right. And then the last thought here, uh, or the next part thought on this here, is that the colors that you show your consumer must be scientifically determined and then used throughout your model on the walls, the floors, the ceilings, the vehicles, the invoices, your people's clothes, the displays, the signage. Are you getting the idea here? So um, I love uh, blue. And what I have found out is that most people love blue. Most women, by the way, love red or pink. Okay, most men like some version of blue. And so what I've discovered is by merging those two slightly together, I make both people happy. And you will see it in my in all of these things that they talk about. You'll see it in the 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 vehicles, the invoices, the clothing, um, the signage and all of this. Now, I'm in I'm in, of course, the United States of America. So red, white and blue is really kind of a big thing here. If I were in Canada, I guarantee you that I would probably link it more towards red and white, okay? If I were in Ireland, like one of our members, I would probably be doing a little bit more green, okay? Uh, so that we everybody feels, because people feel comfortable with that there. Whatever it is for your marketplace, you need to figure that out and work with it, all right? And so, what and, and by the way, it's not just the color sometimes, but it's the shape. What's the shape of your sign? What's the shape of your logo? What's this type style used on your business cards? All of this will have a significant impact on your sales. And whether you care to think about it or not, it's going to happen. You know, I was talking with somebody the other day. I'm reading a great book that my dad gave me, and we're talking about um, a gambler. And, and this person in the book says, uh, I, I, I don't believe in luck. And the guy says, whether you believe in it or not, it's real. And it kind of made me think, you know, it's kind of like God. Whether you believe in it or not, it's real, okay? And and look, we could always argue that point, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Whether you believe or not that colors will affect your business or shapes of different things will affect your business, I'm going to tell you, it's real. And it's been scientifically proven over and over and over again. And now all this goes back to your prototype. Your prototype must be packaged as carefully as any box of cereal. Boxes of cereal are packaged very carefully with certain uh, graphics on the front, whether it's a cartoon character or the print and different things so people will want to buy it. So let's summarize this. Go to work on your business rather than in it. Go schedule at least two hours of focus time once a week. I recommend to my guys, do it right after our coaching call. 
Because, I mean, right after the coaching call, man, you're like gung-ho, motivated, ready to do something. And you almost always have an idea off one of the coaching calls. Yes, I want to go do that, okay? And then go do it. So build your focus time right after your coaching call. If you don't have a coaching call with us, well, that's okay. I kind of get that. Then, then schedule it maybe on a Monday morning or something, two hours. That's when a lot of times, if you see my two-week success calendar, that's when we put it on there for people. But go to work on your business as if it were the production prototype of a mass-producible product and or service, all right? I do want to mention one other thing, and I'm getting ready to wind this up here. Uh, We have had people going, Mike, how do we reach you? Uh, And I'm going to tell you, I I wasn't really thinking uh, a lot about that. Uh, I sold my coaching business, uh, and uh, currently, uh, I can only coach 20 people. I left in my agreement that I could coach up to 20 people uh, and uh, to try to have some private coaching clients. And and the reason I made sure that was still in there is because I have such a desire to see people succeed. Uh, and we, we are having some people reach out to us. So uh, I asked my office, I said, all right, so if somebody wants to know how to do that, well, then how are they going to reach out to us? And they they set up a special... They set up a special email, and I thought it was great. Are you ready for this? The email is very simple. It's hello, H-E-L-L-O, hello at coachblueprint.com. So if you want to reach out to us and find out more about our coaching business or find out more about our systems or find about some of my three-ring binders on hiring and training or how to do the marketing or the Big Bang marketing or or any of that, then, then let us know. Okay, we're more than happy to help you through that. And and again, they've made it really very simple for you. Hello at coachblueprint.com. If you want to go out and look me up on Facebook, then that's great. Friend me. If I see you're an inspector, you're an automatic in. Okay, uh, and uh, I just love being able to help people. If you're a small business owner, roofer, uh, dentist, uh, chiropractor, physical therapist, uh, then you're you're automatically in because I, I love working with service businesses. We have a great gentleman that we're working with that is a CPA. We have a great gentleman we're working with uh, that is a real estate agent and that runs an office of 170 plus uh, people. It may be 200 people by the time you hear this because he's always growing that business. We just want to help you be able to systematize your business and learn how to work on your business, not just in your business. So here's some things. Here are some questions you might want to ask yourself. How can I get my business to work without me? How can I get my business to work without me? How can I get my people to work without my constant interference? (laughs) <laughs> I have built systems because I am a micromanager. A micromanager is this means I'm there all the time, looking at everything, talking to people about everything. And by the way, that drives people crazy. So I'm going to tell you, I have built systems like my famous end-of-day report, okay? I build systems so people can know that they can get their work without my constant interference. So how can I systematize my business in such a way that it can be duplicated, replicated, 5,000 times, 5,000 times, so that the 5,000th unit will run as smoothly as the first. So the 5,000th cookie will taste just as good as the first cookie, all right? How can I own the business and still be free of it? And we're going to teach you how to be able to do that. And how can I spend my time doing the work I love to do rather than the work I have to do? And I'm going to tell you, this is actually one of those things I find that people challenge themselves with because I hear people say, I love to answer the phones. All right, so, but 
You can't grow a business if you're answering the phones all the time. I love to do inspections. Let, let me just be honest with you. I love doing inspections too when I was doing it. But I love helping people and giving people opportunities more than I love being out there every single day doing an inspection, especially knowing at some point that I'm not going to be able to help people in that way if I don't grow it bigger, all right? You know, it's kind of funny. I remember a story about Paul McCartney. I love Paul McCartney. And and he asked his dad, he said, Dad, he said, uh, what musical instrument should I, I learn to play? Because his dad played the trumpet, if you don't know. And his dad said, well, choose anything besides the trumpet. And he went, why? He said, you're so good at it. He said, yeah, but at a certain point, your teeth give way. <laughs> All right. So choose something. So when your teeth aren't there, you can still play your instrument. Well, it's kind of like growing your business, all right? So choose something, build your business so that when your your legs give way or or your shoulder gives way or, or something else gives way, you still have a business. And, and of course, Paul McCartney has become a master at so many different instruments, you know, guitar, piano, and so forth. And so it's kind of a fun thing. If you ask yourself all these questions, all right? If you ask yourself all these questions, you're eventually going to come face-to-face with the real problem that you don't know the answers. I came face-to-face with that problem. That's why this book is such a cornerstone for me. When I read this book, I went, duh, I've been doing it wrong. It's kind of fun when I'm coaching somebody, they're going, Mike, I'm getting ready to do this and this and this. We had a guy was on our uh, famous uh, questions and answers. And by the way, if you send an email to hello at coachblueprint.com and say, sign me up for Mike's questions and answers webinars, which I think I do once every two weeks now. Um, and I'll be glad to do that. And eventually somebody else will be doing it besides me because that's a system. And I want to be able to make sure the answers are there for you, even if I'm not. All right. Um, a lot of times I, I'm talking to people and I tell them the same thing that I told myself at some point. You're doing it wrong. Mike, I'm doing six. This happened recently on one of the calls. Mike, I'm doing 600 inspections a year and I'm getting ready to go hire another inspector. Well, that is great. Who's answering the phones? Well, I am. Well, who's doing the marketing? Well, I am. Then you're doing it wrong. And really what you're doing is you're doing it in the wrong order. The first person you got to hire is a marketing person, and they need to know how to do this, 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 and this. The second person you need to hire is someone to answer the phones, and then you need a backup call center, and you need to make sure the phones are going to be answered. If you hire three inspectors, but you're doing all the marketing, you're doing all the, the answering of the phones, you have set yourself up for a disaster. You've also set yourself up so you can't have a life, okay? And I want to make sure that's not what you do to yourself. All right. The big problem is the reason he built it like that or was getting ready to build it like that was because he didn't know the answers. We want to make sure we can help you with that because now you know that you don't know. Now you're ready to look the problem squarely in the face. And honestly, you want to find somebody that's not only done it once, done it twice maybe, okay, which is what we have done, helped build our own second million-dollar company over $2 million a year. I think we had $2.5 million last year. All right. You want to make sure that you talk to somebody that's helped 100 people do that. That's what we've done. Business is both an art and a science. I thought this was important. I want to add it to the last thought here. Business is both an art and a science. And like art and science, serious business calls for specific information. You know, you want to know why you're doing what you're doing. 
but a very smart person who already knows why they're doing what they're doing starts looking for what's the best way to do it, all right? And so most importantly, serious business calls for a process or a system, a practice by which to obtain that information, and then a method to use that information productively. Let me say that again. And then a method to use that information productively. So here's the thing is, make sure you've got focus time on your calendar so that you're using this information productively. Make sure you know what you're going to do during that time. Figure out from somebody what it is that you're going to focus on at that point in time. Well, guys, that is the big thing that I want to talk about today. It's really not that much longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, and then we are getting ready to go into part three of the book, which says building a business that works. And we're going to start talking about some of the things that you need to put into place. That will be on the next uh, talk that we have. Uh, and I just want to tell you, one, thank you for being here today. And two, thank you for willing to to be in the 1%. Thank you for willing to step out of the 95% that tells you all the reasons why you don't need to do this. Thank you for being willing to walk across the desert, which is the 4% to get to the 1%. Thank you for allowing me to be share a little bit of your life with you today. Just know that at some point, your kids are going to say thank you. Your spouse is going to say thank you. You know, I'm in a situation right now where my, my spouse is Uh, Parents and my parents are telling me thank you because I get to spend time with them every day. I spent the day with my dad yesterday. I spend every Friday that I can with my dad. I'm spending time with my my wife's mother right now uh, because recently that uh, her dad died, so we're trying to help her mom go through this transition in life. People will tell you thank you when you build it right. If you don't build it right, It's kind of a shame because you'll still be working instead of being able to help the people that you love, whether it's your kids, whether it's your parents, whether it's uh, your spouse, maybe whether it's other people that you wish you have a heart for for charity. The best way to do that, the best way to succeed at this is to surround yourself by other people who are in the 1%, who are going through the 4%. You know, I can't carry you through the 4% but I can walk side by side with you as you go through these challenges and try to help make sure you don't step on a rattlesnake, okay, or, or don't step off the edge of a cliff. Um, one of my coaching members called me today and went, Mike, I'm thinking about doing this. Any pros and cons? I said, all pros. <laughs> I said, go do this. Go do this as quickly as possible. Here's three ways to make sure you maximize this. And sometimes I tell people, absolutely do not do that. It is like one of the worst things you can do. Done it three times. All three times have been a disaster. I've seen 60 other companies do it. All 60, uh, it was a disaster. Um, And uh, so don't do that. Oh, I've already done it. Well, great. So here are some of the things you can do to minimize the damage and maximize what you can get out of that. This is what successful people do. And I want you to be successful. So that's why I created the phrase, be successful and be around those that are successful. Be successful and be around those that are successful. Because when you do that, everything gets easier. It gets clearer. It's like having the headlights on. It's like having bright sunlight uh, put on a situation so that you can see it. And when you do that, your life also 
It's like having bright sunshine on it instead of a rainy day. Well, this is Mike Crow. I look forward to meeting you, talking with you more at some point. Thank you for reaching out, those of you that already have. Those of you that are getting ready to reach out, I say I look forward to working with you and sharing more with you. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as a friendly reminder, if you're looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line as a home inspector, go to microreturns.com right now.